for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you ready for some TNA? My friends and I aren't your average blackjack players. We're all APs, which, if you don't know, stands for advantage player. As in, we play with a mathematical edge or advantage over the house. Yep, card counters, that would be us. On this podcast, I'm going to bring you true life stories about the AP life. There'll be stories of all the times we fucked up. Stories when we made out like bandits. Stories of losing more in one session than a lot of people make in a year. Stories of getting backed off in one shoe. Stories of average Joes out here doing this card counting thing. With some of us crushing it. And some of us just making our way through it. So if this is the kind of shit you want to hear, well listen up. Because we're about to give you some TNA. And welcome to the TNA podcast. And no, this is not a podcast about tits and ass. It's actually a podcast about TNA, but TNA meaning tens and aces and how they relate to the game of blackjack. My name is Mike. I'm your host of this little shindig. If you'd like to reach out to the show for whatever reason, to bitch, to complain, to compliment, ask a question, whatever. You can reach us at tensandaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensandaces and the number 21 at gmail.com. My very first guest on this show is a good friend of mine. He's probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's also probably one of the most stubborn guys I've ever met. But... That could be good in the game of blackjack. Anyway, without further ado, here is the snowman. What's up, snowman? Not much. Uh, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Right on, man. So you've had a very diverse and interesting background, not just AP-wise. Uh, uh, I believe you've owned, you've owned a, a mine. You've owned a wrecking yard. Amongst other things. Maybe just share a little bit of that history. Yeah, I've done a lot of different things in my time. I kind of dabble. Uh, yeah, I went to school, majored in mathematics, uh, worked uh, in software at Microsoft. I've worked for a number of software companies as a developer. Uh, owned a wrecking yard. Kind of interesting that you would do two things so different. Uh, I've also owned a gold mine. Another interesting thing. It was Kind of uh, people said, oh, you, you can't do that. They'll never allow that. So I, I went and did it. And so, yeah, I've, I've had uh, a lot of interesting things in my life. Right. Did you just, did you, the gold mine thing, did you do it primarily just because people said you can't do it? So you're like, fuck you, I'm going to go do it? Uh, that was part of it, yeah. Uh, that when I looked at the laws, I'm like, wow, you can get free land from the federal government. And, you know, the law dates back to, I think, 1872. And it's still law today. And I thought, oh, hey, this will be neat to do. And everyone I ran into said, oh, they'll never allow you to do that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go try. And it worked. How long did you do that for? Not very long. I only kept it for a couple of years. I actually let it, the mining claim go back to the Bureau of Land Management. The BLM is Mm -hmm. who manages uh, mines in the United States. So I I did it for a while. And then I 
kind of came back to town. Right on. How about the wrecking yard? How long were you into that? I did that for a number of years. Uh, I did that when I was younger. I've always been a car guy, and I just kind of backed into that whole business. And it was a job I worked when I was in college, and a coworker of mine had a car for sale. And he said he would sell it to me for $100, or maybe it was $75, and I bought it. And I, and I dragged it home, and then I decided I was going to part it out. And a friend of mine came and wanted just one part off this car that I paid like $75 for. And he asked right. me, how much? He said, how much do you want for this part? And in my mind, I thought, well, he'd never offer more than $75. And right <laughs> about the time I thought that, he said, I know you won't take less than $75. And it was in that moment that I thought, oh, wait a minute, you can make money parting out cars. And that's kind of how I ended up in the wrecking business. Awesome. I don't think I've ever heard that exact uh, story. The story, the beginnings of that. I've heard I've heard you tell stories about the wrecking yard, which is somewhere pretty funny, uh, but uh, never that version. Um, so how long have you been APing? Uh, well, I've been playing blackjack for, well, it's, if you're talking specifically blackjack, for like 24 years, roughly. Um, but in the beginning, I wasn't an AP. I was, you know, a terrible degenerate gambler. So I didn't, when I first played, I was terrible at the game. Uh, eventually, I corrected that and became an AP. So, you know, 20-ish years. But yeah, the, the first few years were not good. How, how, how not good? Well, uh I, you know, I didn't come from a gambling family. You know, my parents didn't go to casinos. There was no home poker games, nothing like that. I mean, my parents maybe once in a while would buy a lottery ticket, but that was it. I mean, just gambling. Right. We were not a gambling family. And I never even went to a casino, never had a desire to until I was in my early 20s and uh, I was out drinking with a buddy. And at the end of the night, we ended up in the kind of seedy part of town you know, after out drinking all night and I didn't even know what we were doing there. I thought, well, this is kind of weird, but, and it turns out there was a riverboat casino there and that's where we ended up. And, uh, I was like immediately, you know, mesmerized by the lights and the tables right. and the action and everything. And so I very quickly took to it. And, but interestingly, even though my background is in mathematics, I never approached the game, you know, correctly, which is, to learn basic strategy and to learn how to count, learn how to win. I didn't, I just played emotionally. I just wanted, I don't even think it was so much about winning then. It was more of just being at the table and playing. So I would play, I would drink, I would do everything poorly, you know, doubling on hard 12s, hitting hard 17s, right? And just imagine the worst kind of ploppy place. So that much fun when it works, right? Yes, yes. And of course, doing that, you can't win. I mean, there Many days I would win, but over the long run, I was just losing, and I right. would just hemorrhage money doing that, hemorrhage tens of thousands of dollars during that time. Um, and eventually I quit because it became obvious, like, oh, this is just going to – this will just break me. And I didn't play for a while, and then eventually I had an epiphany and, just, and thought, oh, if I'm going to play, I'm going to play to win. 
But if I'm going to win, I have to learn how to play correctly. And that's when I began studying the game. So the, uh, the first few years were a disaster. What was your biggest loss during that, during the pre-AP days? Uh, in those days, I don't, I don't know. Uh, there were probably many days where it was five or 10,000. I don't know exactly. Uh, because I didn't keep spreadsheets. I didn't keep track. So I just a guess, but I mean, there'd be days I'd win a lot, but there had to been days where I was losing five or 10,000 in a day. It's another day at the office, right? Good thing you made a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yes, but I was, I would have lost money at such a fast clip. It would have just destroyed me financially, right? There's no way you can play. And I played a lot because I really enjoyed playing, but, I wasn't a winning player, so there was there was no way around the inevitable losses. You mean playing like that destroys you financially? I've never met anybody like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and from there, I kind of went to like a second step where I learned to play correct basic strategy and I learned to count. But one thing I didn't get rid of was the drinking because when I was first introduced to gambling. I was out with buddies and we would drink and I held on to the drinking because it was just kind of how I had done things. And that was not good also. And during that phase, there was a much shorter phase where I was trying to AP, but also drink was still often met with disastrous results because I would, I would play and I would drink and the more you drink, the worse you play. And it it took me a while to understand that. So when you say drink, do you mean, Three beers, or do you mean five shots and five beers? Uh, a lot. I mean, I'm I'm the kind of person, if one beer is good, five is better. And, you know, I would often drink things like Cadillac margaritas. So, um, right. you know, once one was gone, I'd order another one. And it would just kind of, not all the time, but sometimes it would spiral out of control. And, you know, once you've had too much to drink, it doesn't matter you know, how skilled you are, the skill goes away. And even during that time, there were times I lost money that I should not have lost. And it was due to the drinking. You were way ahead and then you just said F it and went for it. Well, uh, probably the the largest loss I ever incurred in one day was it, I lost 24,000 in a single session. And it, it, I often tell people it was, you know, those were $24,000 Cadillac margaritas. And it was because of the <laughs> it was because of the Cadillac margaritas that I lost so much. And if I was, I'll say, trying to AP, I was playing basic strategy, I was counting and ramping, but I just drank too much, and uh, my game just unraveled. And you know, if I wouldn't have been drinking, yeah, it was a bad day. Maybe I would have lost a number of thousand, but instead, I lost twenty four thousand. So it, it was bad. Wow. Uh, we won't get into specifics about what uh, casino that was, because I know that story. Um, but uh, let's just say, is it fair to say that that big loss has given you a lot of uh, a long leash at that particular establishment? Yes. Uh, <laughs> they've welcomed me back every single time since. And, you know, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. Too too bad they don't have a better game there. Correct. Yes, it is unfortunate that the game there is fairly. It's not good. I mean, it's beatable, but it's not a great game. So, but you know, I just 
try to get back, you know, every little bit I can here and there. Right. So is that your biggest loss in one session? I uh, that's the largest single session loss, yeah, twenty four thousand. I've had others north of ten. Um, I don't remember them all. I think I had one I probably lost, you know, seventeen, eighteen K in a day. Uh I've had many in the five to ten thousand too many to count in the five to ten thousand dollar range over the years. And most of those, the vast majority of those are from, you know, uh when I played poorly. Right. Right. It's anybody worth his salt is going to have a big loss here and there. It's just part of the game, mm-hmm. you know. So you're also a poker player. How do you think your poker skills? Does anything from um, blackjack translate to poker? Like make your game better or worse, or vice versa? Either way, from either poker or to blackjack or blackjack to poker. Uh, I think there in many ways complementary to one another uh, a, a lot of the same things apply as far as like a bank roll bank roll yeah. management not going on tilt uh being a good student of the game um, patient. so uh, being patient mm-hmm. um so i think all those skills if you have the skills for either poker or blackjack they readily map to the other one um they're probably i would say the there are a couple differences. One is a poker in relative is much more boring. You sit at a poker table, you spend most of the hour folding, whereas mm-hmm. in blackjack, you're constantly in the action every single hand. Uh, so if you're an adrenaline junkie, poker could be pretty boring, whereas blackjack can be quite exciting. Um, so that, I would say that would be one difference between the two. So poker is like more surgical? Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit deeper in the decisions you have to make. You know, with blackjack, it's pretty much rote memorization. You yeah. remember, you know, you have the basic strategy. Once you have that down pad and you have your ramp, you know, based on your bankroll and the quality of the game. And you just it's you play like a robot. And in poker, mm-hmm. especially no limit poker, there's a lot more nuance to the game. You know, because, you know, you're dealing with people that can make uh, irrational decisions. Yeah, I've never had the patience to really learn poker. Uh, I'm just average at best at that game. Um, so if you weren't if you weren't AP, and what else would you be doing? Do you think? Uh, well, I do. I have other gigs I do on the side. You know, I have like a string of different side gigs. I mean, I don't have a normal nine to five job. Uh, if I wasn't AP, and I would do just more of those other things. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would still not have a nine to five job. Uh, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, not, I'm not really a nine to five kind of person. Sounds, sounds like a life. I'm really not either. Yeah, for me it is, I, you know, most people seem to much prefer to have a nine to five job with the guaranteed paycheck on Thursday night and their checking account. But uh, for me, I'm, uh, just a little bit different in that I don't mind the risks and I love the freedom and you know it's how I choose to live my life. Also helps a lot that I'm not married and I don't have any kids, so that right. makes it much easier. Or even even a serious girlfriend would make it difficult. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's it, 
all I have is a cat, and the cat is, uh, you know, just lets me do my thing. <laughs> cat doesn't care. Yeah. The cat probably prefers when you're gone. Yeah, probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> just give leave it some water and some food, and you, they're happy. Correct. What's the best thing you like about the AP lifestyle? Uh, a lot of things. Again, the freedom is great. You know, you, you have a job. You have a schedule. You have to be there at a particular time. You got to put in your hours and leave. And with AP, you don't have to do any of that. If you don't want to work today or this week or this month, you don't have to. You can, you know, if you don't want to get up till 2 p.m., you're free to do that. You know, the the casinos are always open or almost always open, and the games are usually going. And uh, you know, fortunately, you and I both live in an area with we we're spoiled for choice when it comes to games. So there's there's always a game somewhere that we can play. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I enjoy working for myself. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, not someone that likes a boss telling me what to do, when to come and go. So, you know, those things are all great about being an AP. Does it ever become like a job? Like with your poker gig, you were trying to get like 160 hours on last month. Remember you told me. Mm-hmm. To me, that seems like a job that you have to go there, show up, and especially nowadays with uh, the COVID going on, you have to wait in a list, and there's only so many people and so many tables, and you know, it, it seems like that could become a, or actually, I know firsthand it could become like a job. Do you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. It it could definitely become a grind. Uh, it uh, I still think it's better than that. If you don't want to go that day, you don't have to, and you don't have to be there at a particular time, and there's no boss telling you what to do, and you're free to leave whenever you like. So right. it does it does become a grind, and it definitely becomes like a job, but you still have a lot of freedom, and I value those freedoms a lot. So for me, it's, right. a, it's a good fit. Yeah, it's kind of like being an independent contractor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So what do you like least about it? Uh... Uh, one thing is now I finding it more and more difficult to find good games close. So my right. drives are getting longer and I don't particularly like long drives to go play games. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, I know for you have mentioned that you really like the cat and mouse with the casino. That's, that's an exciting part for you. That's yeah. not so much for me. Um, I don't really like you know when i'm barred or backed off uh those you know especially if it's a really good game or a place i really like you know when that tap on the shoulder comes it's it's never fun it's never a good thing so i uh i don't i don't like those aspects of it yeah no you lost two of your favorite local shops within like six months of each other a couple years ago yeah that had to be a bummer Yes, and that's, you know, for anyone uh, listening who, you know, wants to uh, be an AP and play blackjack, unfortunately, that's part of the game is that if you're good enough to beat them, eventually they're not going to let you play. And the key is longevity, but, you know, those those days come where they tell you no more. And, and that's, for me, it's it's disappointing when that happens. Yeah, because last... 
years, we got away with playing at both those places. We're both backed off from now that you got backed off back to back at a couple of years ago for years. And then a good friend of ours was playing it in this region and he lasted a shoe, not even one shoe, you know, so, and he's a new counter. So, I mean, that could be, it could go any way. Just, you never know when your time is coming. So I guess you just take the EV way you can, right? Yes. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes you're convinced you're going to get booted and you're not. And then other times you think everything's fine and then they show up to tell you no more. So, uh, yeah, you're not guaranteed any length of time in any of these particular joints. When was your first back off? Was it when you were in Vegas? Uh, it's been so long. I don't remember. Uh, it has been probably close to 20 years or thereabouts, wow. I would say. Um, I There were a lot of smaller casinos, little independent ones that I, I noticed when I went from being a ploppy to being an AP, especially when I cut out the drinking part and became a real AP, uh, I noticed at that point places that formerly really you know, and were sure. happy to let me come play all of a sudden didn't want me to be in the building. And I, there were a number of small casinos that just, just would kick me out and wouldn't let me play anymore. I don't remember which one was the first one at this point. It's been so long. Um, I remember there were a lot of them. Yeah. When you were a losing player, they're like, yeah, here's a couple hundred dollars. Come play. Yes. Here's, here's a free dinner. Here's a free, this free, that free hotel. Correct. And, and, <laughs> Speaking of that, there was one really small, it, it was a really dumpy casino, and it was near the airport. And there were actually a couple interesting things from that. Um, I At the time, I drove a big, fancy 7 Series BMW, and this place was a dump. It, I mean, it really was. But it had a spectacular double-deck game, and it had a spectacular, it even had a real 3-2 to two single deck game with a notch in the shoe. It was dealt from a shoe, but it had a notch in the shoe. It was incredible. I know the place. If it's if you're talking about the one near the airport here. Yes. Okay. And so a couple different things happen. So you speak about when you're a poor player, they give you uh, you know whatever you want. So this particular place, one day I was there, they gave me a steak dinner. It was the worst steak dinner. It was like five (laughs) dollars, and you know, it had to been a ninety nine cent steak. It was terrible. And I remember one day when I was there that they gave me a steak dinner and then the supervisor wanted me to keep playing. This particular supervisor didn't understand that I was an AP and they even offered me a second steak dinner in the same session. So, um, so that's hilarious when they think you're losing, they're happy. But, uh, two things that happened there. One was I, I often kind of put on an act when I'm at the table and act, you know, like I just partying and, there was a play. It was obvious what I should do. I don't even remember what it was. You know, maybe Splitting it was tens a, or something like that. It could have been, or maybe it was doubling on a soft 18 or something. And I, I just jokingly said, what's the, or I said, you know, what should I do? And, uh, the supervisor, she, younger Asian woman came up to the table and she said, what is the count? And <laughs> you know, at that point I, knew it was time for me to get out of there so um i 
did. That place eventually went out of business, you know, not surprisingly. But uh, while it was there, it was a good game. And the one other thing that had happened there at one point, you know, this was in a terrible part of town and it was a dumpy little place. And I was driving this BMW. And I remember one time one of the dealers said to me, he said, you drive a BMW. Why do you come here? Yeah, I'd right. never, I'd never thought about that before that the car you're driving, you know, people might start putting two and two together. And that taught might, me something. Might follow you home. Well, it was more of just, I think that place was a locals joint and it was like poor people who lived in the area typically played there. So here I was coming from far away and I just didn't fit in to this locals joint. And I think that was not good. I should have done better to try to fit in there. Right. I should have, I should have ridden the bus to get there. That would have been better. So... I know that you spent some time in Vegas. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit, up, little bit about that? Yeah, well, I've been to Vegas numerous times. Uh, one year I went down there, uh, and I really just went down there to stay just a number of days. And I ended up staying there for seven months. Uh, <laughs> and I played poker some combination of playing poker and or blackjack almost every single day. Is this so, still in your drink in your drinking days? No, by then I had this was uh, way past the drinking days. So I didn't drink anymore. You know, I'd gone to just drinking coffee, which, you know, is you know, a middle-aged white guy sitting at a table with a Starbucks coffee is, is actually pretty <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Because you don't look like you're there to party or have fun. You look like you're there because you're starting your shift. And I know that's really bad you know i kind of stand out and it's not a good thing but yeah i'm i'm the the super boring person that shows up with a coffee to play so in that amount of time you must have had some good stories uh from that that time uh you want to share a few sure oh it, it was quite interesting i i uh met a lot of I don't, I don't own a tv so i'm not really into celebrities and it was amazing how many times there would be famous people who would <laughs> you know i played a lot at like the mgm grand the aria and i really was very partial to the bellagio those are all mgm properties and i played other places too but the bellagio was kind of like my you know my office where i would show up every day whether i was playing poker or blackjack um the bellagio was super tolerant of me and i don't know exactly why but i never questioned it. i just kind of went along with it um right it's funny but, how that works out sometimes yes uh and it maybe it was because i never tried to hit them real hard and uh, interestingly, I never played the double deck game there at all. I was just, you know, I didn't want to push my luck. But the th at the time, they had an extremely good six deck game um, that was very, very beatable. And because of that, I just chose to, you know, do a moderate spread at this six deck game. And they would let me play day after day after day. So with no, right. no, no questions. Um, it. But as far as stories, yeah, tons of them. I mean, there was, you know, uh, one day I was, I'd been there playing all night. It was early in the morning. I was playing solo in the main pit. It was at a $25 table. And uh, 
the mat the table max on those tables is usually ten thousand. And I had gone to the restroom. I'd been playing alone for hours. And I came back and there was this younger Indian guy who had sat at the table. Uh so we started playing and he asked for them to raise the table minimum to a thousand dollars, which they granted. And now I was grandfathered in since I was already there, so here I continue to play my $25 ramp. <laughs> and this this guy started betting $10,000 a hand. And he, he wasn't a very good player. He asked a lot of questions, asking me what I thought he should do. He didn't even really seem that interested in the game. But he was, I'm doing my $25 ramp, and he's betting $10,000 a hand. Yeah, he's in Vegas. He's going to bet money. Yes. Yeah. And he, at one point, I think he was up to about 400,000 or thereabouts. And then he started to lose. And I asked him at one point, I said, well, you know, how much is enough? And he didn't answer right away, but he eventually said a half a million. I said, (laughs) okay. I said, and I told him, I said, okay, if you get to a half a million, I'm going to push you out of here because you can't. The way he was playing, he wasn't he wasn't going to beat him in the long run. Yeah, he was having some great variants. Yes. For sure. And he finally got to a point. There was one crazy hand where he, I think he had like a multiple split and a double or something. And at the end of the hand, he had $535,000 in, in front of him. He, he, 535 and he finally i said okay you're you you made your half a million and he uh actually he had so many chips because this was in a fairly low denomination table this was out in the main pit this was not in the high limit pits uh and he had so many chips they had to have security carry a bunch of his chips for him because they didn't have high enough denomination chips for him to carry um so that was interesting it was also interesting that at one point, they actually had to stop the game because he had emptied the rack. The The dealer had, there was a handy one, and there were no more chips to pay him. Uh, so that was pretty comical. And the other interesting thing was at the end of this, he uh, flipped me a yellow chip. And for those who don't know... Yeah, you, the yellows are often called bananas, and those are $1,000 chips. And he... He gave me $1,000, and he said it was fun. And to this day, I feel bad. I was so stunned by his gesture. A total stranger gave me $1,000. I didn't even say thank you. I feel bad to this day that I didn't. <laughs> I was just stunned, right? I mean, well, so maybe he's listening to this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so if, if he is, yeah, thank you for that $1,000. Right on. Isn't there another story about a dealer cashing out the wrong denomination of chips? Or Oh, Yes, there was a that's a glad you remembered that there was another time. This was that a lot of these stories are from the Bellagio and I was sitting at a table out in the main pit doing my normal ramp. And there were two kind of shady guys that were kind of like table to table jumping in and out. But at any rate, the one of the guys he had 10 yellow chips and again the yellows are bananas or a thousand dollars each so he had he had 10 of them so he had ten thousand dollars and he decided he wanted to color up and he 
pushed the 10 yellows to the dealer and the dealer colored him up. Well, the dealer made a mistake because, you know, since he colored up 10,000, the next denomination up are the $5,000 chips, what they call flags. They call them flags was a red, white, and blue. And instead of coloring up to two flags, the dealer colored him up to four flags, $20,000. And I saw this mistake as it was happening. And I, and I, it's always a gray area as to whether you speak up right. or not. This is, right. you know, it's not, it's not, ultimately it's not my responsibility to make sure it's done right. It's the dealer and the supervisor. It's their responsibility. And I didn't say anything. And I don't remember if he called for the Florida Verify or not, or if he just shipped the chips, but he put the four flags out there for the player to take them. I saw as the player was reaching his hand forward to take the chips, I saw he like he paused for a moment, and I'm sure he paused when he realized there was a mistake in his favor, but nevertheless, he grabbed the chips and off they went. And um, I never saw the players again, so whether they caught up to him, I don't know. Um, I do know that this dealer had just come to the table and probably 10 minutes later, someone tapped him out and I never saw him again. So, right. um, you know, safe to assume he was probably fired. I mean, it's a $10,000 mistake. Those denomination chips probably have RFID tags in them. I don't know how, how long ago this was. So maybe not, but. Yeah, at the this was about a decade ago. So at the time, I don't know. Uh, now they probably do. but Definitely, it, but, yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, snowman stories. Yes. Yeah. A $10,000 dealer error in a player's favor. And again, and I, I, I'm torn because if I had said something at the time, it would have, it would have been caught and the dealer wouldn't have lost his job. So it's, it's a real gray area as to whether, you know, but it, but it's not my responsibility because I don't work there. We're not there to babysit. And then plus uh, it is a gray area, but, on that note, what would you do if you were the guy who got the oh, $10,000 mistake? I would uh, probably just point out to them that they made a mistake, right? Because, you know, I don't even know legally, right? If they if they actually ship you the chips and hand them to you and you They're walk yours. away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so. I believe yeah. so. I'm not a lawyer. Okay. I, I, I don't know legally what they could do i mean they would definitely put up a stink about it as soon as you went to the cage for sure oh they'd bar you if oh. for sure kick you out or something but i think once it's my understanding is that once it's out of out of the circle it's your money just like once it's in the circle it's a contract with them mm. you know but i, I could be wrong and that Not could be enough money they put up like you said a big stink about it yeah, uh, and in that case, I would probably, I would probably point out their error to them. Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. I don't know though. <laughs> probably a harder, in a hypothetical, it's probably easy. Oh yeah, sure, I would do that. But ten grand sitting right there, and I don't know. I think I would. I'd like to think that I would tell them. Because, you know, then I probably would because then if I didn't, when I went home, I probably couldn't sleep because I worried about that guy lost his job because I'm an asshole. You know, but then yeah, again, right. it's not it's not our job to tell them how to do their job. So, yeah, I mean, that the, a very similar thing to that are other dealer mistakes where 
you know, dealer mistakes happen all the time. And in my thought is that about 50% of them happen in your favor and the other 50% of them happen in the casino's favor. And it's things like you pushed, but the dealer scooped your bet, right? I mean, that's in the D in the house's favor. And, but the opposite happens probably with the same frequency where you pushed, but they actually pay your bet. And again, that's another gray area, but it's the dealer's job to collect and pay correctly, right? That's not, mm-hmm. it's not my job. And, more so with the dealer, the supervisor. It's between the two of them that they're supposed to make sure they're paying and cl- and collecting correctly. So basically, I've I used to feel really bad about it, but in recent, more recent years, I've come to the conclusion that it's their job to do it correctly. So generally, if they make a mistake in my favor, I don't say anything, right? If they pay a push or they mm-hmm. don't take a loss, I don't say anything. I don't take the money until they've paid everyone and they've scooped all the cards and put the cards in the discard tray. If, and I don't say anything if it's a, if it's a windfall to me and I figure if it gets all the way to there and they've put the cards in the discard rack, then I'm free to take my bet. Um, You're right. But I do the opposite. But if they say I have a push and they take the bet, I point it out every time. Now I'm sure there's times where I miss it, but so I, you know, sure if there's any casino personnel listening, they would say, oh, that's wrong. And, you know, I guess so why is it wrong? Because it's your job to make sure that they pay you when they're supposed to. It's not your job to make sure that they're doing their job. Yes. So. Yeah. I Well, I'm I agree with you, but they probably see it from the opposite oh, perspective. Sure. So, but it just for me, as a matter of practice, if the casino makes a mistake that benefits me. No, they, I'm not angle shooting. I'm not like tr- trying to get them to pay or de- being deceitful, like saying to the dealer, oh, you need to pay me when I and I'm not doing it's just a simply a mistake. You're not taking shots. Yeah, correct. Right. I'm not angle shooting. So uh, but yeah, if they make a mistake in my favor, I'll accept it. If they make a mistake that's against me, I point it out. And that's just, you know, that's my general M.O. I'm similar to that. Other than I'll say well, I'll get I'll tell them one time during a session if they mm. screw up, hey you paid me or you paid a push or you paid a loss or whatever whatever it may be. But after that, like you said before, we're not there to babysit, you know. Correct. So then I just go with it. Yeah, there I would say there there have been instances where there is a dealer who's very weak, you know, new dealer or something. And I don't want them to get fired or leave the table. So if they make like real egregious errors, sometimes I do point it out to them. Maybe I won't point out. I'll just point out the obvious ones. which to, So they'll right. correct it. Because I don't want them to, you know, I, I'd much rather that person work there for the next 10 years. Yeah. And not only that, it's, you don't want any undue attention on your table. Or Correct. for them to be running back through tape to see who the dealer did, and then they notice, oh, this guy's r- ramping his bets. Oh, look at the count there. You know, whatever. Especially yeah. if it's a, especially if it's a, you know, they've two, three, four hundred dollars or something, or even fifty dollars they screw up on. If it's five bucks here and there, who cares? But I mean, they mispaid you a couple blacks on accident or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That could, that could get. The next time you show up, they could tell you, uh, you know, 
tap tap right when you sit down or before you play because then that little hundred dollar two hundred dollar win you have basically closed you off from that shop you know so there's always things to consider like that right Mm -hmm. definitely and i've never you know i mean i've been mispaid too many times to count right sometimes you're mispaid so many times in one session it's too many to count and i've never the next time into a particular casino have them say to me oh we we paid you the last time you were here you owe us i've never had that happen so i in i can't say that it would wouldn't happen but a lot of these places probably just chalk it up to they probably think ah we're gonna get his money anyhow so what do we care if we had mispaid? oh i'm I, yeah i was more saying that they would review the tape because the dealer made a mistake and then they would catch on to what you were doing because they had reason to look at you know the table closer uh you know yes and i actually had one and it was at a very small casino it was i don't this was a very long time ago and it the car the game had five card charlie or maybe it was six card charlie meaning if you were dealt five or six cards in an unbusted hand you automatically won it was a great thing and it was i think it was a double deck game with other good rules so it was a very beatable game but it was a very small place and i was there and this was at the point where i was aping but still drinking so this was still a bad combination because i was there drinking cadillac margaritas and trying to ap which you know not good yeah and it was so bad that i would i think i was buried about seven thousand in the game at one point eventually got back clawed my way back to even but i was buried deep in the game right and i was drinking too just it was a bad combination but what was super interesting is that at one point the supervisor came over to the table and told the dealer give him a hundred dollars meaning to me and the dealer looked at the supervisor and he's like, well, what do you mean? And the supervisor repeated, give him $100. And okay. so the, <laughs> and the dealer gave me a black chip. And then the floor supervisor said to both of us, he, he said, you took a push about an hour ago. Hmm. And they were rectifying it. So, I mean, that was, you know, clearly they were watching. They were going back looking at the footage of me playing on this game. And they caught this. You know, and of course I had been drinking, so I didn't even realize that there was a hand that I pushed where he actually took my bet. I didn't realize it. So the the moral of the story is, kids, don't drink an AP. It's just going to end poorly. <laughs> Mothers against MDAP. Yes. <laughs> Mothers yeah. against drinking and APing. Yes. That's funny. Funny. Yeah. I know. I at uh, the place that you lost the 20, what is it? Was it 26,000 or 24,000? 24,000. 24,000 at about, I must have been, it must have been 2007 or eight or something for me there. I got a parent, I was playing and like two hours later, the floor comes up to me and said, Hey, we miss, mispaid your hand about two hours ago. And they said, You owe us, I don't know, like, 150 bucks or something i don't remember what it was so this let's just say 150 mm-hmm. and i said well i don't even remember that hand so you guys can pound sand if you want me to leave i'll leave but i'm not giving you my money back because yeah. i don't, honestly don't remember he said okay that's fine and then he went about his business and i kept playing and they didn't ever get their money back gotcha yeah 
many times they're probably just they'll make an effort to try to get it back. But if not, I mean, with most people, they're going to lose all their money before they depart the table anyhow. So what is it? Sure. Well, if I actually remembered that, Miss Pay, I would have said, oh, really? Uh, And I would have given it back. But in this case, I didn't even know what he's talking about. So Uh I was like, I'm not giving you I'm not giving you any money. I was way ahead at that time, too. But that's not the point. Yeah, definitely not the point. Because if you somehow all of a sudden said to the supervisor, hey, an hour ago, you took right. that when we when I pushed. Right. They're just going to say, well, that was an hour ago. You're too late. So, they, they yeah, good luck late. finding the hand, because anytime there's a missed deal or something, they pull the paddle, throw it on the table. Yes. So then the, the surveillance can know, hey, the paddle was pulled. That's where the right before this is where this whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck finding that. Correct. Most likely they'll tell you, yeah, we looked and we didn't see any mispay. We, they paid you correctly. Yes. Yeah. Because I've had that happen too, where oh. uh, I've I looked at my stack of chips and I know exactly where I'm at all the time, and it's like exactly off of where it should be. I think I grabbed my money out of the circle before he paid it. Oh. And they said they reviewed the cameras and it was just like. I can't see the cameras. I don't know what goes on up there. So I just have to take them at their word. But I, I know damn well that, that I wasn't paid that hand. Yeah. Even though I try to look for mistakes that are in my favor and not say anything, and then also look at mistakes that are in the casino's favor and then speak up, there's there's no doubt that I miss some of them. I'm not catching all of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's there's still times where they're they're getting freebies off of the players. For sure, man, for sure. So is there any advice you'd give to young guys just starting out? Uh probably lots. Uh A, don't quit your day job. Um I would say there Effort. are there, Well, yeah, it's tough. Or it, the saying I often use is it's a tough way to make an easy living. Yeah. And you can definitely make money. People tend to be in two camps when it comes to AP, especially with blackjack. There's the group of people that say you absolutely cannot beat the casino. And that's not true. They It can be beat. I mean, you can't beat roulette. You can't beat craps. I mean, you can't beat the slot machines. That's your cheating. Or, well, there you can beat slots, but not. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are certain small areas. But for the for yeah. a thousand people in this casino they're not beating the slots right they're just losing their money so sure it, but there are some people that say you just absolutely cannot beat the casino it's not true they can be beat you, you just have to pick and choose the right spots and yeah, then that's why they kick us out correct and then there's people at the other end of the extreme where they try to say it's super easy and it's it's not it's hard right it takes a lot of discipline it takes a lot of bankroll it takes excellent bankroll management you sh- probably shouldn't drink uh, you don't want to go on tilt. You have to be able to find good games. You have to not get kicked out. Um, your game has to be sharp. You need to study. You know, you need to know basics. You need time. So it's hard. Uh, you know, it. it's, you know, if you're really smart and have a lot of bankroll, you know, there's probably other things you could do in life that would make you even more money with less work. But it is challenging. And for some people, they really like the challenge. Uh, of being an AP, you, as you've mentioned, you know, you really like the cat and mouse with the casinos. Sure. So, you know, uh, 
you know, I would suggest people approach it with cautious optimism. Yeah, I think uh, bankroll is probably the biggest one that people overlook. Because, I mean, I've heard stories of someone starting with like 500 bucks and turning it into 100 grand over time or if even 5,000 bucks. I mean, that odds of that happening are, I don't know what they are. I'm sure you could figure them out, but they're astronomical. But, I mean, it happens. I mean, yeah. but starting with, you know, 25 grand or something is, you know, a much better. You have, you're going to have a much better shot than someone starting with $1,000 or even the guy that's doing $1,000 every other weekend on a replenishable bankroll because they have a gig that's replenishing it. That's still, you're asking to lose money. Yeah. It's the volatile. I think most people vastly underestimate the volatility, the volatility, the swings in your bankroll are enormous. And it's very easy. If you're playing a green chip game with say a five, or 25 to 300 spread, just a 12 to one spread in a good, you know, double after split, split forehand game. Good pen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can, you, it's very, you could get buried five grand in no time flat. It's, it's so in. Been there. Know, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in bankroll, yeah, having a very large bankroll. You know, if you're starting out with $200, uh, I'd say go to the casino and have fun, but you know, don't be upset if you lose the $200. Exactly. I mean, that's, you, you can't, that's, you're pretty much gambling. You're not pretty much you are unless you have a proper bankroll because the whole thing is the long run. You can't get to the long run if you don't have the, the money to get there. Yeah. The bankroll to absorb the swings. Yes. I mean, unless you go on some crazy positive variant streak, I mean, it could happen, but I think that's the thing that people overlook, you know, yeah. maybe they have one night where they're, they're just killing it or maybe one month where they're just killing it. just can't lose. Mm-hmm. And oh man, this is easy. And then I think we, we have a buddy that that situation actually happened with. Uh, and now he's starting to, <laughs> starting to, Get a little uh, cold feet. I think I know who I think you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's you can have long periods of great variance and then it, and then long periods of terrible variance. And when things are going right, it seems really easy. And when things are going poorly, it seems like it's impossible. And um, just being able to mentally weather those swings is real important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it can get even if you know the math, believe in the math. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you have, and I know I have doubted the math or insist they gotta be fucking cheating me. Yeah. You know? Yes, I've had I've had instances where the cards were so terrible, I begin to wonder, am I being cheated? Right, and you know. To the point where I'm in a hand dealt game and I'm just watching the hand, the dealer very closely to make sure right. I'm not dealing seconds. I mean, right. in reality, am I being cheated? Highly unlikely. But you, you, sometimes you run into streaks of cards that are just so bad. It just it, it's almost astronomical that how could that many times in a row could you be dealt eleven and double and get a deuce and every time seemingly every time the dealer has a five showing they have a six down or a six doing 
showing. They have a five down and then draw a face card. I mean, you expect that to happen sometimes, but there are days where you could sit at a game for 10 hours and you'll see that for 10 straight hours, just again and again and again. And when that happens, you start really questioning uh, whether you're being cheated. And it's hard to just stick to the program and say, okay, no, this is just a whole bunch of really bad variants and eventually it will write itself. But yes, I, even myself, there have been times where I've doubted uh, what's going on. For sure. I actually had a dealer once at a small car room in South Seattle mm-hmm. uh, that's no longer there, actually. They He was dealing me seconds, and I noticed it, mm. but he was doing it in my favor. He was trying oh. to get tips. He was telling me it was his last night. Have I told you the story before? No. Uh-uh. Uh, he was telling me it was his last night, and he was moving to Arizona to do some other line of work. I don't remember. And he was, he said, if he started saying, it'd be a good time to bet, bet uh, $200 now. And then once you put 10 out for me. <laughs> uh. So we did that for, for a little bit. And then I just started not feeling right about it. And I left. Yeah. Because that's a that's a felony too that's cheating it's yes. collusion so hmm. i i was per- fairly new to this at that point so i didn't really realize that but it just still instinctively felt wrong mm-hmm. so i left so i have i have I, I noticed he was dealing seconds too but in that case like i said it was in my favor which is a good thing gotcha huh so i mean it does happen but still most of the time we're just being paranoid because, I mean, if you're losing 200 hours in a row, it's, you know, we're human. We're going to start questioning everything. Yes, definitely. Do you, we got anything else? Uh, No, but uh, thanks for having me. Right on, man. Take care. See you down the road. Well, that's our episode for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with the snowman. Even though I've heard his stories a hundred times or more, I still learned a few things here and there. I hope you did too. Or at least were entertained. I know I was. Anyway, uh, see you down the road and happy variance to you. Bye-bye. Here's a few messages from our sponsors. Find your paradise. Go to visitlasvegas.com. By the fact that you're listening to a podcast about blackjack and advantage play, it's clear that you're interested in this topic and most likely interested in becoming the best blackjack player you can become. Now, I suppose there are exceptions to this. Like, for example, maybe you're an uninterested significant other trapped in the car listening to this. Or maybe you're a kid trapped in the car forced to listen to this because your phone is dead and you can't tune out the world with your headphones in like you normally would. And by the way, kids, I apologize for all the F-bombs that I've dropped on this show. Please don't follow my example. Or maybe, just maybe, you don't like money and you want to continue to play blackjack and not make your game better. If you happen to fall in any of those categories, by all means, tune out and don't listen to a word that I have to say right here. But if you want to learn how to be the best blackjack player you can be, learn and grow your game, I suggest you check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. They offer what is, in my opinion, 
not only a world-class education on the game of blackjack, but the absolute best education you can find anywhere for this game. They offer online training drills, a supportive community, as well as other exclusive tools that are critical to your success. Even if you already know the ins and outs of this game and don't really need the training they offer per se. That's great. I'm kind of in that boat myself and I imagine there are several others of you that are as well. So even for people like us, just the opportunities in networking alone that this site offers is worth the price of admission and then some. I also can't stress enough that it is a wonderful and supportive community of other APs. There is almost no trolling in the forums there. So once again, I urge you to check out blackjackapprenticeship.com if you're serious about growing your game. 